podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to check out new episodes every Wednesday and every Sunday. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 podcast presented by Harry Yeed, Sam Sage and me, Ben Hocking. Mexican Grand Prix preview today, a little bit earlier recording in the week at least. It'll be out the same time as normal for you, but we thought we'd take advantage of us all being together still. I mean, we have got to do big flight. Big flight Big time. flight today. Yes. Big flight day. Uh, yeah, so folks, we are... You, this will all remain normal, just for you. But for us, we are desperately trying to get this done before our Airbnb closes and we have to scamper off to the airport. Many hours in the air. Thank you, though, to America. We've had a lovely time. Yeehaw. Yeehaw, indeed. What have we got on the plate for Mexican preview? So we've got a game of F1 higher or lower on. later on that I put together last night. So who <laughs> knows how, how many of those are wrong. Um, Antonelli getting into F2. Bit of discussion on him a little bit later on. Under pressure submissions as well. Let's start out with this one question though. Sam, how vulnerable is Max Verstappen this weekend taking into account what we saw at Austin? I think what we saw at Austin was a bit of a an illusion, a oh. mystical appearance. Okay. Because I think from the naked eye and if you don't follow all the background news of Formula One, I mean, you listen to this podcast and so maybe you do, but um, news is quite complimentary to us, really. We're just getting to chat waffle. <laughs> waffle. Um, <laughs> but if you don't pay attention to all the news stories, you're not keeping up with maybe what goes on with all the technical regulation side of things, you might have thought, uh, oh, that looked close between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton at the end, and, and Norris wasn't too far off, and qualifying was very, very good. And to make those simple observations, you would be 100% correct. But I think there is a very different story that had been told at Cota, and that is, obviously, Lewis Hamilton and Charles Leclerc both disqualified for riding their car too low and wearing the plank too thin, breaking the technical regulations. And a lot of other drivers probably lucky to get away with this. Red Bull have come out and said a statement that they have rung their car much higher than normal and altered the setups dramatically on both cars to ensure that the cars themselves come the end of the weekend are fully compliant with FIA regulations. Uh, they were aware that the plank was going to rub. The track is so bumpy, despite it being a great track and the surface is really good, it's a very bumpy track. And this causes wear. That combined with the fact it's a very windy track, we're all there. You see the giant flags, which are real. They're not CGI. Hey, they are huge. Huge. They're like British towns flying in the air. Um, they move a lot, and I imagine they weigh a lot too. So this wind, when it comes along, it, it can push the car further to the ground, depending on what area the track is being hit. Again, further wearing those planks. Now, Red Bull, fully aware of this, raised the car dramatically, which again, loses performance. It scrubs off performance when you lower, uh, raise the car. Lowering the car is better because it creates more ground effect downforce. Also combining with that, that Max Verstappen had serious brake issues. You could hear over the team radio just how frustrated he was at the braking issues and he was nursing that the whole way, which I mean, credit to him, car set up wrong, they've removed performance, the brakes aren't working, he's still one, one by two seconds and he had to come through the pack to do it as well. Shows just how good Red Bull are at the moment. Um, I don't think they're in any trouble when it comes to Mexico. It's a powerhouse for Red Bull. Their car thrives in the higher altitude. They've always loved it there. Even during 
Mercedes dominance, it was always their playground. That and Monaco were pretty much the two places that they always thought would get a win here. And I have no doubt that Max Verstappen will go and do it again. Although a tiny part of me would absolutely adore Sergio Perez to win at his home Grand Prix at least once. I would not allow that to happen. And that's nothing against Perez, but the world would explode. Mexico would lift <laughs> I, off into space. I don't want that to happen. They would become their own planet, Planet Mexico. See you later, Mexico. And Sergio would become the space emperor. Deservedly so. So Galactic Emperor Perez deserves the win, and I do think that Red Bull are actually going to be even stronger, more stronger than we've seen. I think this might be the best race that they'll have from before Qatar, I think. I think to go back to those levels. I don't know how we managed to get onto Perez Palpatine, <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> Execute order 11. <laughs> I am the Red Bull. <laughs> Harry, do you think Verstappen is vulnerable? Um, I don't think he's ever vulnerable. Even a little bit, even a, li- even a little bit. He was quite vulnerable last weekend and, and he, he still won both it'd times. Been, it'd been interesting to see, like, obviously started from sixth, as you referenced, Sam, and had to come through the pack a little bit and Norris led quite a few laps at the beginning. What that gap would have been yeah. if he started from pole. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we saw him starting from pole in the sprint, in the sprint race, right? And that was... 10 seconds. Well, exactly. And if he had started from pole and didn't have the brake issues, etc., yeah, I'm not sure that gap would have been very, very small. Um, be right. Sounds right. I think this is a bit of a Red Bull, bit of a Red Bull favourite circuit. They all seem to go really well here. Um, I don't suspect any vulnerability going into this weekend. And they don't even have the added silliness of a sprint to deal with so true they've got over that as well or they don't have to deal with that um so yeah you'd have to you'd have to place your bets as you should do all year on max verstappen and red bull um but you know there are it's a hot it's a hot place mexico tis warm tis warmer than here madness which is is higher how yeah yeah yeah. yeah. i don't know how because it's it's a million degrees in austin million and one in mexico (laughs) (laughs) plus one more than you can ever say yeah Infinity plus one. Um, so there's, you know, there's, there's reliability, things like that. If there were brake issues in Austin, maybe there would be similar things in, in Mexico. Um, but yeah, you'd have to say that, that it, it, it looks pretty good for Verstappen coming into this weekend, as it has done most of this year. I was looking at a stat earlier of laps led, and he's, he's led a lot of laps this year. Yeah, he's yeah. led more laps than anyone in history. But it's the percentage of the laps led that is remarkable. He's led like 74% of all laps that have taken place this year. To put that in a little bit of context, Schumacher in 04 was just over 60%. Oh my Lord. That's three in every four laps he leads. Yeah. Across an entire year of racing. It's madness. Yeah. Do you think, Harry, that with Mexico and the altitude, we are used to seeing... Power unit struggles there, not just not Red Bull, just across across the grid. What approach do you think Red Bull should take to that? Are they just going to go all guns blazing, or similar to the US where they made adjustments for the circuit? Do you think that they might play it safe and and just look to do almost what they did this weekend? I would probably go for the latter because they're in that privileged position where they can. And what, what do they lose? What, what exactly? A, a race win, I guess. Whatever they've won every, everything but one this year, but if your car's that good and you can afford to make these adjustments to make it slower but also more more reliable, then why would you not? Why would you not do that? 
there's a lot of logic in it. All the logic. Um, so, yeah, I don't suspect they're just going to go in and be like, well, if it blows up, it blows up. I don't think that's their... That doesn't their, sound very Red Bull, does it? No. Um, so, yeah, I think they're, they're, of all the teams, they're probably the one in that, this position who can really afford to, you know, tune back the, the engine, etc., or whatever it is, brakes, um, to make sure they make the finish and then still win. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I am going to... You know what? Usually it's cynical, Ben. I'm going to be mildly optimistic, Ben. Mildly and say optimistic. He's a little bit vulnerable, okay. um, which for the, I don't know, based on this season is probably more vulnerable than he usually is. I think overall the teams are closer, like certainly compared to the first half of the season. I was thinking back randomly earlier to the Canadian Grand Prix which I think Verstappen won by just over 10 seconds. It might have been 10, 11 seconds. And I remember at the time, the whole discussion was, wow, that was close. Like, it was a 10-second win for Verstappen, but at, because it was mixed in with so many 20-second wins and 25-second wins, 15-second wins, it was perceived to be like, it was one of the closest races, as sad as that sounds, of the first half of the season. But actually now, if you look at the last sort of five races, you've got the Italian Grand Prix, Verstappen won by six seconds. Singapore, obviously, he didn't win at all. Japan is the one that he did very well at. That was like 19 seconds. Qatar was four seconds and, and the US was a little over a second. So it's heading in the right direction if you're looking for, for parity in the sport. Um, obviously, it, he's still very good and I think he's still very much the favourite. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if if a team couldn't spring a surprise. I, I, I know you say that Red Bull have done very well here and that's very true. Um, it's, it's a difficult one to predict though, at least. I think it, it throws up a few more variables because of the altitude compared to, say, a, a standard European race where if Verstappen turns up, you, you know, he's probably going to win. Here, there's always a... A little bit of an unknown. There was like there was one year, like five years ago, where Renault turned up and they were really good for no reason, um, and that sort of thing. Can like them, I know. That. And five years later, we're still waiting for the next time they do that. But <laughs> oh, no. yeah, I I think he might be just a little bit vulnerable. Well, I'm I'm going down your route then. I hope you're right. Also, I'm I'm going to do it delayed. Hold on. <clears throat> what clear the throat, everyone? Because I'm I'm well. Stagman! Oh, you can hear the oh, horses in it. Oh, I had horse, to, I had to horse man. Horse man. Horsey with horse face is on the, is on the podcast, everyone. Okay, it was, that was painful. That hurt. I did it for you. If you look at the record books for the US Grand Prix, it will forever say that Lando Norris was the closest challenger to Max Verstappen. But of course, in reality, we know it was very much Lewis Hamilton. David Coulthard. No, it was not David Coulthard. He cannot always be the number one contender. He is for always not. The closest. He's never been the closest. Because his jaw is so big. <laughs> Physically the closest. Will Lewis Hamilton be the closest challenger to Verstappen again this weekend? Ah, it's a really tricky one. Um, and I think where strengths and weaknesses of the cars lie are going to play a big factor. I do think that if they continue testing parts for 2024 and they continue to see the success that they saw in Cota there is every chance that Mercedes takes another step forward. Um, obviously, that was the first race that they properly rang any upgrades for a little while. I think they worked. Well, at least they did on Hamilton's car and he got the best out of them. 
And as we've, we referenced this in the review podcast for Cota, James Allison is, is essentially saying that this 2023 car is a, a dirty little mistake and he very much wishes to focus on next year's availability. Thank you. Mm. Um, he's, he's writing the Eat wrongs. more of those and you get how many Otmar has. <laughs> no babies in a month for everyone. Um, <laughs> I mean, my God, I've lost my train of thought entirely after that thing. Um, yeah, my point here is that I think Mercedes, as we've mentioned time after time again, They've never 100% been the definite second fastest car, but because they are always there, then they're always in contention. And I think Lewis Hamilton will be even more motivated after his hashtag mood post on Instagram, where of course both him and Leclerc were disqualified. He had a phenomenal Grand Prix, starting third, finished second by a long shot, only 1.5 away from Verstappen at the end, and the competition behind him was, was gone. He had no challenges at all. So I really do think that a slightly angry but motivated Hamilton in a Mercedes that looks a little bit rejuvenated could really be a, a threat, especially if, as we've discussed here, Red Bull need to make sacrifices again to the setup or the car or the balance to execute a safe finish for the Grand Prix. It's awful that we're having to make sure that in the statements we're saying that Red Bull need to weaken themselves just for a car to even be near them. But that is where we are at the moment. And I think it's, it's, it's not impossible. I do think the Iggy's are most likely to be the more consistent team behind them. Yeah, I think there's definitely reasons to be encouraged if you're Lewis Hamilton. I, I think the US Grand Prix was race pace, Mercedes, or at least Lewis Hamilton's best race of the year so far. Yeah. I, you know, I I think they, they Singapore were was good, but I think- Singapore, they were good. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair one too. But yeah, certainly if you, if you look back through- the rest of the races this season, I, I think this one stacks up really well. And in, in many respects, I know we've mentioned the altitude that there, there are a lot of similarities track to track. So you see one long straight, you can check on both and the S section in Mexico in the middle sector, pretty similar to the first sector in Austin as well. So I, I think there is there is reason to be encouraged if, if you're Lewis Hamilton. There's, there is, I think, a, a good chance that he is the closest challenger. What do you think, Gary? Yeah, I do. You know what? I feel like I've said this before this year. I just, I just, uh, my faith, my little tr- bit of trust in Mercedes is always a bit shaken because we've had it. What was it? Spain this year where they were really good, but they two, three. Always, they always do really well in Spain. Apparently, not two three next race. Yeah, well, yeah, and then last year at Cota, Hamilton was really good then as well. That's true. Although he did follow that up with P two in Mexico. Very, well. very valid point. So I would say yes. It looks like these upgrades have worked. Um, and yeah, you've got to you've got to suspect he's he's going to be in the mix. He goes very well around coast. I mean, he tends to go very well around most places. Does Lewis Hamilton? He has a win nearly everywhere. Yeah, he has won in almost every racetrack. Uh, but yeah, you'd 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 hope that if the car is still where it was in Cota, then he, he's going to be he's going to be in the mix. Um, you'd hope Georgie Russ will be there this time as well. Be nice when they show up, won't it? You didn't, it didn't really, it didn't really happen. I saw a, um, a graphic actually about gaps in average speed between teammates and Mercedes were the third largest gap between teammates. Yes, I saw the same graphic because of the two that were ahead, one of them was Norris and Piastri, yeah, which who, I don't know yeah. how much... I think he was struggling from that one with the damage. That he yeah, I, I, I don't know how much you can really compare Norris and Piastri given Piastri didn't do many laps. No, exactly. So, uh, so, you know, it, yeah. it, it was a worrying race for Russell, probably one of his worst actually in terms of just outright race pace for the whole season. Not to go on about that graphic now, but 
That graphic looked all right for Logan Sargent, didn't it? 0.023 between himself and yeah. Alex Albon on average pace. I thought that was a really promising sign. He's on the up, his old Florida man. Freedom. Yeah, yeah. Freedom uh, for his drive. Quick shout on McLaren before we move into bold predictions, Harry. Do you think that they could be back to where they were? Like if you were to compare Qatar to US, do you think it's more likely to be one or the other? Yeah. I don't know because with Qatar, we obviously did, had these enforced stops. Now I'm thinking maybe maybe the tyre thing, the tyre wear thing is a bit of an issue for them. I don't know. I would, I would, they're still going to be up there. I don't, I, I, that car clearly can go well at any circuit now. And as you say, there's quite a few similarities between Mexico and, and, uh, and the Cota. Um, but yeah, it, they, they might struggle again if, if the tyre wear is an issue. Are the tyre compounds the same this weekend in terms of the uh, I think selection? they're the same. Okay. Well then, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I think that pace-wise they'll be, they'll be there in terms of raw pace. Um, I guess it's just whether they can, hang on in there uh, for the whole race, but I suspect they're going to be, at least in the mix, little menaces. Menaces in the mix? <laughs> uh, on a Saturday, yes. On a Sunday, I, d- I don't think they've got it. I think they've reached their peak. Um, and I think that they need to be wary of a resurging Aston Martin, who showed incredibly promising signs on the Sunday of Cota once they got their setup sorted and Lance Stroll on the rise. And I think that with this tyre wear issue seemingly becoming a problem, especially on these sets of compounds that you mentioned, that I think they're going to struggle on the longer runs. And we saw how damaging that was for them at Cota. And I think it's going to be an issue here today. And, well, today, you're listening to this whenever. So maybe it is today if you're listening. But I do think that long term, they are going to be seeing a bit of an issue fighting off the resurgence of both Mercedes, Aston Martin, and potentially... Haas. That is the name I was going to say next. So well done. That's the end of my point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I think there's, there's the reason I would be optimistic if I was McLaren for this weekend. And you already mentioned the enforced pit stops. Now that's not coming back, but I had a look at last year's race because I wanted to remind myself what happened. Max Verstappen won, surprisingly. Do you remember what strategy he deployed? Was it the two stop? No. It was the one stop. He went from soft tires to medium tires. He literally couldn't have done like the, the tires are still running now. Basically, everyone yeah. one stops. Tyre was all right. So if tyre wear's okay again here, okay. they might be all right. But we'll see. Bold prediction time. Bold, bold, bold. Now there's good news. We cannot physically do worse than the USGP. It's not possible. Yeah, it's a challenge, but I reckon we're up to it. Well, what have you got then? I reckon both Aston Martin's top six. Ooh. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Sorry, when was the last time Lance Stroll did that? <laughs> Based on their pace in Austin, that seems reasonable enough. Yes, both Marvin. of them. They're coming. Fair enough. What have you got? The, I mean, this one won't sound very bold, but Sergio Perez to win. Still pretty, but he hasn't done it in a while. Oh, uh, yeah. It's only two this year, yeah. going to I mean, be a resurgent Perez. Oh, sorry, pa- pa- Palpatine Perez, or whatever. Emperor God, Perez. Um, yeah, I think he's going to win his own race. I would like that. I was having a, I was having a look at the stars last night, trying to, trying to gain my... Mexico up there. Yep, I was just trying to look out for my bold prediction in the, in the constellations, and I found it. Oh, yeah. I actually found it a while ago. I was just a bit too early on it. Oh. So, you know, when I said Ocon would be top four at Zandvoort. Oh, no. I actually meant 
Mexico. Hold it. You're going to double down on just Ocon? Yeah. You're an I idiot. mean, they do regularly say that Zanvor is for Dutch Mexico. So congratulations, Pierre Gasly. Is this the, is this the last race? Do you need to get this right? Yes. Uh, oh, we're starting four, to. Well, it's four. Uh, four each and I've got one. Four, yeah. yeah. So I could get Brazil, Las Vegas and Abu Dhabi and we all tie. Oh, so you need to get this one right. To, in theory, to win, yes, or yeah. to, to, yeah, it's not drawing. To Alison right? Martin's top 18. Huss <laughs> <laughs> will be on the track. Um, no, I've, that's a bit bold, that. It will be a free practice one. <laughs> I've reserved myself to losing, folks. I'm used to it on this show. Pole one, two, three, Sam. Pole, Max Verstappen, one, Max Verstappen, <laughs> two, uh, Lewis Hamilton, three, Sergio Perez. I've got that apart from Lando Norris in third. Lovely. <laughs> Coffee and paste. Right. Paul Max Verstappen, the win, Sergio Perez, second place, Lewis Hamilton. Verstappen's going to be third. What happens? Uh, slow. Oh, it's it's a day off. gets out to dry. Is he still in Dallas? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that's definitely going to happen. Let's take our first short break. On the other side, we'll be looking at the Constructors' Championship and having a think what might change before the end of the year. <laughs> Okay, welcome back, everyone. We decided to have a look at the Constructors' Championship because four races to go. There's obviously still a lot to be decided. And as we know, Constructors' Championship, incredibly valuable. If you're, if you're unaware, all of the prize money um, championship position-wise is based on the Constructors' Championship. So nothing drivers' championship-wise impacts that. So you've got 10 teams and still quite a bit to be decided at this point. Um Harry, is there anything in particular you're looking at as that could change? No. You think it's just going to stay exactly <laughs> <No>. the same? <laughs> um, I I think the one to look out for is going to be McLaren. The Aston Martin, obviously McLaren now overtaking Aston Martin, but that McLaren-Aston Martin battle slash... Ferrari aren't that far away. Yeah, you think they're looking up and down. Well, why would you not? The form the McLaren are in... And, and Ferrari is still in good form, but we also saw that they, they don't they don't like their tyres at they all. They really don't. Um, so McLaren have got to fancy their their chances somewhat. I can't quite remember the gap between Macca and Ferrari, but it's like huge. Eight zero. Eight zero. Eight Literally, yeah. Um, so yeah, a, a tall order. They'd have to have some things go their way for McLaren, but yeah, that that I think, which is effectively the battle for third. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think Aston Martin are going to be, they're not aiming for third, they're, they're trying to cling on to fourth or reclaim, fourth. I guess. Yeah, reclaim fourth. Um, so yeah, that's probably the main one, main one I'm looking for and it's going to be interesting. The, if the upgrades on the Aston Martin have actually worked as people think they might have done because Lance Stroll's pace was equal to Norris's Phenomenal. pace. Phenomenal. Yeah, he was the goat. He is the goat now. Just the coater. Um, just on Sunday. The coater. <laughs> just on Sunday. Uh, yeah, if they have worked, then that's going to be a very interesting battle towards the end of the year. If that, if it means that Aston Martin can go back to the, f not even the form they were in early in the year, but just back in the mix. Um, so yeah, that's probably the main one I'm looking for. Any chance you think McLaren catch Ferrari? No, I think time's run out. 
I think it's too close to the end of the season, unfortunately. And I think all all teams logically, which is, I'm, I'm being polite to Ferrari. Sorry, Harris is dying. Sorry. Are you all right? Really didn't like that opinion. Sorry. He hates logical Ferrari. Just joking on Walter. Oh, classic survival tactic. Um, yeah, so, you know, Ferrari being logical, I know that's surprising, but alongside Ferrari and the rest of the grid, most of them are going to be focusing towards 2024. Any upgrades that are coming through the car now will be 2024 focused. Might not work, they might work. It's a big testing session at this point. You're right, prize money is in it. But most of these teams, with the cost cap especially, aren't, are doing it more for pride other than the few extra million dollars that are going to come in their way. They're all incredibly wealthy teams. It won't be the end of the world for them to go from fourth to third, for example. It's more about championship standing at this point. So I do think that McLaren need to look to solidify and finish them off on a, on a high. They still had, you know, fourth place would still be an absolutely fantastic return after what they started with. Aston Martin, on the other hand, if these upgrades work, Harry, as you just alluded to, I think McLaren needs to be looking down. I think, you know, it's not over yet for them. I don't think they'll get Ferrari, and I think Mercedes are comfortable in second um, from both Ferrari and everyone else. But I do think that... Oh. I'm being rung by an unknown number. Sorry, everyone. I'm not going to pick that up right now. We're doing a podcast. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Anyway, that was... Oh, sorry for the terrible interruption. How rude of us. Um, yeah, I think that Aston Martin are the ones on the, on the move, hence my bold prediction. And I don't think it's going to be an easy fight. I think we're going to see a lot of Piastri, Norris, Alonso, and hopefully Stroll on the same bigger tarmac over the next few races. Would you still put McLaren as the favourites to finish fourth? Or, or do you think it's... Do you think Aston Martin are favourites? Where, where are you standing on that? I have, unfortunately for Stroll again, more faith in the McLaren lineup as a pair to bring home regular points paying positions rather than uh, Aston Martin where also reliability seems to strike Aston a little bit more regularly than it does McLaren. I just think we're going to some quite demanding racetracks. You know, Vegas, we don't know what's going to happen. Brazil can always be a tough one. Um, Abby Dabby's there. So, you know, honestly, I think that it's going to be a tight fight, but I do think that McLaren probably just have the legs on this one. Yeah, I think um, to look for McLaren-Ferrari in the first instance, I agree with you. And I don't like saying that because, not not because of who you are, <laughs> but because that means placing faith in Ferrari. Yes. Um, and Terrifying. saying, yes, they'll be fine. 80 points with four races to go. Surely they can't, surely they can't lose that. I'm sure Askin thought the same they'll thing. They'll find a way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even if, let's say, Oscar Piastri and Lando Norris finish second and third, which they've done at two of the last three Grand Prix, that's 33 points. So suddenly you're looking at Ferrari and over the course of four races, if they're finishing fifth and eighth, which, eh, I mean, that's well in their wheelhouse, um, that's enough. Like that, if they were to replicate that result four times over, excluding that there's a sprint race, that would just about be enough for Ferrari to cling on. And I think that's quite a that's quite a high estimation for where McLaren would be week in, week out. And I think that's quite a low estimation of where Ferrari would be. So I would be surprised if that changes hands now. I can't see Aston Martin being, beating McLaren, I'm afraid. And it is because of Lance Stroll. And he's, he's not of the calibre of the other three drivers. Um, I know there was the comment of, well, in, in clean air, Stroll had the same pace as Norris, but that shouldn't be a miracle. No. That should be a... A given. Yeah. I mean, Stroll's got the pace of the rival. It's like, well well done. You, you've managed to match who you're supposed to match. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not like this... It, it kind of is an outlandish thing, but it shouldn't be. Um, and that just, I kinda, it kind of shows how far Aston Martin have fallen off that that is considered something of a success just to match 
the team that's next to you in the championship. You know, earlier on in the season, it was a case of if they were beating, if anyone other than Red Bull was beating them in terms of pace, that was not a great weekend. Now it's a case of, are we the fifth fastest team? We'll take it. So it, it, it's, it's gone down quite a long way. On that point, if Lance Stroll had turned up at the start of the season, they would be they wouldn't be catchable. Hey, look, we smug faces. We were on this all year. Like yeah. we, we said beginning of this year that Stroll could be the reason that Aston Martin don't hold on. To, we didn't at that time know it'd be McLaren because McLaren were slow as balls. Tennis balls. With 17 points after the first eight races oh. of the year. But they they were always somewhat vulnerable because of that. So um smug faces, everyone. Good. Good. For, <laughs> for YouTube watchers, yeah, yeah we yes. uh, we deep to the camera. Uh, looking a bit further down in the championship, so um, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Alpine, 136 points behind Aston Martin, probably isn't gonna happen. Oh, it's um, like cool. <laughs> and I think 74 points ahead of Williams, they should be all right. So mm, don't count your chickens. Maybe if we're looking at seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth, you've got Williams 26 points, Alfa Romeo 16, Haas 12, Alfa Tauri 10. So it's all. Pretty close. Do you think that those four stay in that order, Harry? I think so. It would have to be a, a bit of a... An Australia. Yeah, crazy race for this to, to change. I would say Alpha Tauri might chip away at it, but they're, they're like stealing little burglars. They're stealing like a couple of points here and there. Well, I guess Yuki five. got... Yeah, five. It's half of the season. That's ridiculous. How much did Lawson get when he got into the points? Two. Right, yeah. so between, in the last five races, they picked up 70% of their entire points. Yeah, Yuki Tsunoda had three 10th place finishes sort of spread out across the first half yeah. of the season. And then, yes, we've had two for Lawson and five for Tsunoda. Come on, Danny Rick. Yeah, well, I, I think before whatever issues Ricardo was having in the race, I think um, but the pair of them were, were, were knocking on the, on the top 10. So they can chip away at it. It would, it would like I say, it would have to take some sort of big result for them to, to catch up. But I think out of maybe not Williams, they're at least around Williams' pace, Haas and Alfa Romeo. I mean, Haas. Oh, no. Upgrades. Where are you? Well, apparently they're really happy with them, the driver says, so that's good. <laughs> Very encouraged. Why? <laughs> Don't know. Show me the encouragement. I love being last. One race sooner to the end of the season. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm really encouraged. It'll get me home. Christmas is coming. And then Alfa Romeo are the most anonymous absent team I've ever seen in my life. They just don't care anymore, do they? They just turn up like <laughs> once every seven races and like, oh, actually, we've got a little bit of pace. They know four races time, they won't exist as a team anymore. It will have a whole rebrand and change of identity. They're just cruising. Yeah. So I I, I would say, yeah, Alphatari can chip away at it. Whether they'll overtake, it would be, I think it would be quite tight. Um, and then Williams, obviously, very much helped by those three points they got in Cota, which at one point looked like it wasn't going to happen. Bit of breathing room. Yeah. So I, I think they can probably hang on, which would be great for Williams. Was the last time they were that high up. Yeah, I mean... 2015? Yeah, I mean, maybe like 17? Maybe. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. 18 maybe. Yeah. Uh, no, not 18. They were awful. Yeah, probably 17. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think if you look at those four teams, last three races... Williams scored three points at Cota. Alfa Romeo scored six at Qatar, if you remember back then. Alfa Tauri scored five with Yuki Tsunoda at Austin. That just leaves one that hasn't <laughs> scored oh, no. any points in the last three races. Um, 
Haas scored seven points in the first three races. They've scored five in the last 15. <laughs> oh, it's tough listening, isn't it? That Nico Hulkenberg seventh place in Australia feels like a long time ago. Also feels because like it payday is... came along for them, really, didn't it? Bloody hell, if they didn't have that luck. It, it's legitimately just Hulkenberg in Australia and a wet sprint race, which kind of nullified tyre wear. And that's all they've got this year. Um, so I think Haas are... I think Haas are in danger of finishing last. I, I actually think Alpha Tauri will overtake them because I think overall that Alpha Tauri pace has been it's been pretty solid, I think, since the summer break. Frankie's I think he's at the top 10. Well, Yuki Sonoda hasn't actually had much opportunity to show it because of the did not start at Monza and um, at Singapore, obviously, only lasted one lap. So he didn't really have an opportunity to showcase it. But of course, Lawson was there. Lawson was in the points. He scored two. Which makes you think if Yuki Sonoda was there as well, I think at worst he would have been on a very similar sort of performance, if not better. Um, so if you've got Liam Lawson scoring substitute points for the team, you've got Yuki Sonoda who hopefully will now actually have some race starts and he can show what he can do like in Austin. And Daniel Ricciardo, in theory, should only get better like, from here as, as he recovers, as he gets back into the groove of F1. You, you, you don't think he's going to get worse, put it that way. So I think there's a good chance they will overhaul Haas. I actually think they might overhaul Alfa Romeo as well. I think Williams are safe. I, th- I think they've built up enough of a, a buffer at this point in the year. But, you know, you, you take another another five points, that puts them only one behind Alfa Romeo. Yeah, I think that the driver swaps are what have... I'm um, sorry, folks, hold on. <clears throat> I am struggling over here on the struggle bus to back to London, apparently. Um, Long bus. I, I think that it's driver swaps that's hampered them. I think not one driver has been able to settle in comfortably into the team to pick up consistent points, consistent performances, get used to the car properly. Of course, if Daniel Ricciardo never broke his, his hand, there's every chance that he's done, what, eight Grand Prix at this point and he's settled in completely and we get possibly the old Daniel Ricciardo back and he could be right there with Sonoda picking up points every single time, maybe more than what Lawson was able to pick up. But I do think that if Ricardo can quickly get back to form, come on, come on, up you get. And Sonoda is able to, again, deliver the consistent performance that we saw at Kota, which was a very good drive from him. He did do very well. And I think it went a little bit under the radar. We, we picked it up very briefly, but, you know, it was good. Um, and yeah, I think you're right. The, I think Haas are definitely a, a, a target in their sights. I don't think, just because of the nature of how competitive the top end of the grid is, that they're going to have to get enough to go any further than that. I just think Alpine have picked up pace recently. McLaren and Aston are, are always there. And then you've got the front three runners, which, you know, bar reliability, which so like a double DSQ, how often does that ever actually happen? These are freak moments that are not going to occur again and again and again. So I think that Haas, yes, I think, I think they've got luck on their side if they get any further. All right, with that, we'll take our next short break. On the other side, let's get under pressure. It's all out live. It's good. Yeah, it's good, wasn't it? Enjoyed it. That's banter, isn't it? All right, let's go on to Under Pressure. What have you got, Sam? I mean... It's a pretty tricky mix-up, and I was right with Lewis Hamilton. He delivered last time. It's 
But after the DSQ, I actually think that we're going to flip to the other side of the garage. Despite the points not being given, I think George Russell needs to step up now. I think with the massive points golf that we've got, there's been a couple of moments now where he couldn't score points, Qatar, after crashing into him, of course, and the DSQ. The gap is still large, boy. So I think that Russell needs to bang in a couple of big performances. And he seems to do all right at the back end of the season. So hopefully he can deliver. But I think he needs to. Otherwise, this is a risk of looking like a, not a great season for George Russell. The gap is very big at the moment. I reckon, at least Kota specific, he seemed to be hampered by the sprint race maybe more than anyone else, or the sprint weekend more than anyone else in that he was kind of slow from the off and it never really changed up or down. I think if he had a bit more practice time, he might have FP2, FP3. Can you say that? Because I actually think that he's previously been very good at adapting to the car in the other sprint race weekends, more so than Hamilton, who I think actually likes a bit more time to develop the car. And I regularly say that he's on the back foot in the qualifying, but Russell's qualifying was abysmal over the whole, both qualifying sessions. Yeah, yeah. Not good. It didn't really get much better or worse. It, it didn't, went no. So, um, who's under pressure for you, Harry? Uh, I am going to go for Daniel Ricciardo because, and not that he's under like any real threat to do well, but he had, he had Kota to get back in the saddle. No, now this weekend. Go. Giddy up. Yeah, giddy up, cowboy. Um, so yeah, Ricciardo, go Ricciardo. I think you showed encouraging signs coming back. I think he was a bit race rusty. I think he even admitted that himself yeah, to yeah. a bit race rusty. I mean, again, Lance Stroll absolutely planted one on him. Oh, God, it was good. I don't think he'll ever recover from that. No, I haven't. If I'm Lance, I'm framing that. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I think he, you know, he's had that weekend now. He's had a couple of sprint, uh, sorry, a couple of races, including a sprint, uh, two qualifying sessions. Now, yeah, time to get on with it. I am going to use Sam's answer from last week. I'm going to go with Lewis Hamilton. Interesting. Because... He, yeah, he was great at Cota. The problem is it won't show anywhere. Yeah. And Sergio Perez picked up a pretty solid result from the Grand Prix. So it's now uh, 39 points between Perez and Hamilton. It's going to be tricky for Hamilton. A minimum 10 point gain every single race. It, yeah, exactly. So it, it's, it's unlikely, I think, because of this result. And behind the many, many Mexican fans, um, Lewis Hamilton is going to be in uh, difficult territory, I think. So he could do with a... Uh, uh, he needs a big result and, and Sergio Perez to really miss out, I think, to, to keep this alive for the last three races. Yeah, that point swing was pretty damning, wasn't it? Well, what have we got from our Discord listeners? M- many, many. Many, many. Uh, yeah, there, well, there are a few, actually. Not, not a huge amount, but... A few, many. We're doing a bit of this quite early. Um, first up... And once again, we're doing this live, so good luck, everyone. Let's hope none of you have been naughty. Or L Plan Sam. Oh, oh my voice is going as well. Oh, no. Hey, guys. Sam here. Um, oh, I'm Sam. A little surprising, but my most under pressure is Fernando Alonso. Um, not really through much fault of his own, but I just checked the driver standings. Carlos Sainz is only 12 points behind him. And Lando Norris is only 12 more points behind that. And that's that's very worrying. Fernando Alonso could end up fifth in this championship. So, yeah. Love the podcast. Thank you. That is actually a fantastic point. Yeah, that's... Could do with some points, Fernando. It's crept up, hasn't it? Yeah, oh, dear. yeah. Weeks and weeks of inconsistent performances from that car. And it's... Oh, Leclerc has also had a beating recently. 
he can't catch a break. Paul Pollack's not in that conversation. That's ridiculous. He's already dead. Oh, free Leclerc merch coming soon, I promise. Um, next up, British summertime beef with her Mexican of beans. Great name. Oh, my word. Hello. Remember how I said I was going to give you an update on my life? Yeah, there isn't really one. Very oh, stressed at the moment. I've got four weeks left of my qualification at work. So please send positive vibes. Um, under pressure is McLaren, just because I feel like they've been so close to that win now and they're just not quite pulling it off. So if they would like to, you know, pull that off, that would be great. Okay, bye. <laughs> if, you, if you fancy it, though. Give it a go. Yeah, give it a go. Um, just beef. Good luck with your old qualification. Love left beef. Um, oh, lordy lord. So delicious. With... He's titled Big Herm. I'm Manos Rodriguez. Yellow. My under pressure for the autodromo, Manos Rodriguez, <laughs> is the Mercedes picked wall. Good. Just Mercedes. Their Mr. Breen approach of I'm going to look and kind of copy your strategy doesn't really fly when you want to win races. It's all right if you're, you know, at the back of the grid and don't care. Like hats. <laughs> but, you know, they need to step their game up. Beautifully pronounced as well. Oh. Chef's kiss. I reckon we should get him to do the Google Translator voice when you ask what the, the one English to Spanish is. That's how good it was. Autodromo, Hermanos, Rodriguez. Rodriguez. I'm playing that again just because. Yellow. Man under pressure for the Autodromo, Hermanos, Rodriguez. Autodromo. <laughs> Two words. Uh, how many W's are there in there? Autodromo. The is none, by the way. Hermanos, Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Oh, so good. Good lord. Okay, next up is Bristol Liam. Great lads. I think that Checo's under pressure this weekend because he needs to have a taco, have a burrito, <laughs> get his stuff together and get on that Mexican podium. Cheers. <laughs> God, a taco and a burrito as well. Fair, delightful cuisine. It's yeah. Mexican. <laughs> they, they don't know what tacos are in Bristol. It's, it's all right. <laughs> It's new. It's just dirt wedged between two bits of bread. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, next up is Black Flags Matter. This is Danny with Black Flags Matter, and my under pressure for this week is Team Ferrari. Old Chuckles or Buckles and Carlos Sainz find themselves in a points battle with Aston Martin and Mercedes, and with a few consistent top finishes over the next few races, could find themselves making their way up the points standings in the constructors. Keep breaking late. Love you guys. Love that. Concise. Efficient. Love that. Chuckles or Buckles. Hey, we saw a dog that had a thing. <gasps> oh, my Charles God. Charles the Canine. Yeah. He had a, a coat on that said Charles the Canine. Jane and the Gainer. <laughs> I've got a photo evidence of it, folks. Yeah, you yeah. see it. Uh, final two, save Leclerc. Hello, everyone. I'm still recovering from the Leclerc disqualification news at this point. So I take back what I said in my last submission. Ferrari pulled the trademarked pole two P6 to disqualified. So oh, that no. was really fun. <laughs> Under pressure for this week, I'm going to go with... The imposters has uh, some points might be nice. It's a good trout. Yeah. Was it one of you two that said that Charles Leclerc now has the yeah, Harry triple the crown of pole to DSQ, pole to DNS, and pole to DNF? Yeah. <laughs> or no, the real triple crown. He's yeah. the real goat. I've not finishing races. Uh, finally, is Lee for racing? Oh, 
This is Lee, all the way from South Africa, with wow, my under pressure submission. That would be for one of the late breaking broadcasting hosts to get a bold prediction correct. Oh, Preferably oh, sad because right, right, it's right. behind, but I'll take anyone at this point. <laughs> and then Danny Rick, because we need some points on the board for next year. And then obviously Jekko. Whereas, because it is his home Grand Prix. Thanks for everything. Have a good day. Bye. I feel I feel called out. I'm under pressure. I've been called out from oh, the no. other end of the world. Under pressure. And completely fairly as well. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, South Africa. That's cool. Thought we were friends. Are that all of them? Yeah. Yeah, we're done. Lovely. Um, before we move on, quick shout. Harry, what should someone do if they like the podcast? Great question, Ben. Mm. Fascinating answer. Fascinating mm. answer. One that no one's probably heard before. Five star reviews. How many stars? Honestly, the worst intro to that you've ever done. <laughs> uh, he's caught me unawares on this one. No, uh, five star reviews, please, people. We had a nice one in the week. Thank you very much. Yeah. 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 And again, we will re-emphasize this every time. If you don't like it, just leave it. Please be quiet and go away. But also, and we appreciate everyone who does leave a nice review, oh. when you write nice reviews but then accidentally put two stars, that's worse. That massively hurts what happens Please here. stop doing that. Also on Spotify, uh, all your comments in the Q&A section. We, we read do, them all. We read every single one of them. Um, yeah, so it, ma- it massively helps us. We, uh, we love to hear, we love to hear, we love to read what you have to say when they're, when they're nice things, obviously. Um, so please do it. And this time, you can write... Ben is <laughs> good. Let's go. Ben is a muppet. Right, a muppet. That was there like someone learning to read as a child when they're sending out the letters. Also, when you mentioned Spotify, you can't. People sometimes don't really can, but on Spotify, you, at the top of yes, go on our podcast. Yeah. There's a little button at the top that has like a rating. Give that a little click. We've got a lot of five stars on there, and we love it. But please, more, more. Like a kid in a candy shop. I want more. <laughs> Let's move on uh, to Andrea Kimi Antonelli. Great name. Great name. Um, and it's worth giving him a bit of an introduction because we know that many of you are F1 fans, but might not necessarily take a look into the junior formulae. So um, Andrea Kimi Antonelli is 17 years old um, and he's the reigning Formula Regional Europe champion from this year. Uh, the news is that he's been confirmed to be racing for Prima in F2 next year. So the logical step up would have been to F3, but actually he's going straight into F2. 17 years old is the youngest age you can be in F2 as well. Um and he's a Mercedes junior driver and has been for a few years. Sam, what is the potential for this guy? This is the first young driver in a while that I have been phenomenally excited about coming through the ranks. And it's the first time for a long time that a Mercedes junior, since Russell, has made any impact, really. I mean, you've got Vesti in there, who is he's a good driver, he's a solid driver, but I don't think he's ever going to be primetime Mercedes material where he'll be riding alongside George Russell, hoping hopefully winning championships for them. Um, I think that, you know, Vesti Vesti, as they like to call him, there's a lot of besties going on at the moment. Besty, <laughs> besty on the podium, baby. <laughs> he, um, he's a good driver. He, he, and I'm sure he'll go on to have success, but I don't think he is future world champ material. Now, um, 
Kimmy is going through the phases, the motions that the big boys that we've looked at in Formula 1 before also went through. You know, you look at your Verstappens, your Hamiltons, your Norris, uh, Leclerc, Russell, but the, the heights that they reached in their junior career are currently being matched by, uh, by Kimi Antonelli. In 2022, he won the um, ADAC Formula 4 Championship. Uh, he was first with 313 points. I think he won something like 13 of like the 19 races that went on there, which is crazy. Uh, that's not the only thing he's won. He's also won the... Formula Regional Middle East Championship. He won that with the Logo Wings as well. Uh, and then he also won, as Ben mentioned, the Formula Regional European Championships um, with a ridiculous points margin as well. The kid is a huge, huge talent. And I think that if he's nurtured correctly by Mercedes, which I think that's maybe the thing that they are best at is young driver nurturing, ensuring that they are picked up and brought into the sport properly. Uh, he can, this guy, I think, I think the aim for Mercedes is when Lewis Hamilton does leave, Kim is the guy that takes the spot. I think they will get him into either a Williams drive or something similar within a couple of years if he does well in F2 this coming season. You know, if he wins F2 in his first year at 17 years old, I think they've got a problem on their hands because they've signed both their drivers up for at least a couple of years. I'm not saying he should immediately be ready to go into the Mercedes seat, but I definitely believe he becomes a contender, a factor in the massive 2024 shuffle that we're going to see in the driver market. I'd be baffled if Toto doesn't work some magic to get him into a drive if he wins F2. What are your thoughts on the game? Um, it's always a really encouraging sign for a driver if they miss a, if they miss a series. One, two, skip a few. <laughs> F3, ain't got time for that, mate. <laughs> I'm doing good for that. I'm moving on up. Yeah, I th you see it with, you don't, it doesn't happen all the time, but you see it more nowadays. I'm thinking like, Max Verstappen. Yeah. And he's pretty good. He's pretty good. Who else did it? Lance Stroll. And he's there. Racing. <laughs> oh, but anyway, um, I think gen generally it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good sign for, for him that he's already off to F2. And you're right, I think um, Mercedes, uh, the fight of Toto's just like, plus uh, Hamilton, hang on for a couple more years. Just three, and then we're good. Don't, don't leave me, don't leave me yet. Um, because, yeah, this is a very promising young driver for, for them and something they have not had, uh, there's not really ha been anyone in the works, at least directly to to help them out since, okay, well, Russell was the last one. Um, and before that, before that, they had Bottas. Uh so yeah, I think they'll be they'll be very happy to to have him already into F two because that's one away from F one if you if you've not been listening. Quick maths. Um, so yeah, this is very encouraging and and yeah, he's a very it looks like a very promising promising young young driver. So it's gonna be very interesting to see how he copes in F two. As you say, we, he's jumped jumped to series entirely, um, and he's only seventeen. So year one may not even be the greatest year. And if it is, if anything above that is a, is a bonus and, and probably just cements further how, how good he is. So, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. What also struck me with the record, Ben, which I'm sure you're going to way more detail of, is like, this is a silly way of phrasing it, but the cleanliness of his driving, the ability to not retire from a Grand Prix at that level. And there's so many cars on the track, there are people who aren't going to be as experienced or as good who will make silly mistakes. And the fact he's kept out of trouble, he didn't retire once in the whole season and was not off the podium by one time is pretty incredible for a season where you see a lot of failures, a lot of retirements, a lot of crashes. That is a super encouraging thing to have nailed down so early in your career. 
there are a lot of signs that this guy has the potential to be great. Um, I mean, firstly, I mean, the results speak for themselves. You've already run through quite a few of them, Sam, but like say Italian F4 and ADSE F4, like those two, you, you tend to compete in both championships in the same year. That's how it works. Of the 35 races, that's that's 22 wins. That's a lot. 22 wins out of 35 races in a, in a series like that is remarkable. He only missed the podium eight times of those 35 races as well. So guy can race, to put it bluntly. Um, and I think if you, he's, as mentioned, he's Mercedes junior driver. Mercedes and their approach to their junior team has always been a little bit different to particularly Red Bull, yeah. but also yeah. Ferrari as well, in that they do go for quality over quantity. And that's not to say Red Bull and Ferrari will take in anyone, but a lot of the time it is a case of Red Bull will have five drivers in F2, all part of their academy at the same time. And it's almost a case of, well, let's see whichever one ends up being the best, which is not the worst strategy in the world. But I think with Mercedes and with Russell and now with with Antonelli, it's, it's more of a dedicated, nurtured track. They've, they've had this guy on their books since 2019, which doesn't sound like very long, but when you- 13 years old. Well, exactly. <laughs> you bear in mind that he only started proper racing. Came um, out of karting. Yeah, came yeah. out of karting in 2021. So Mercedes obviously saw something very early with this guy and it's only getting better from here. What's going to be really interesting, I think, is that the likelihood is with Prima, he'll be teamed up with Ollie Behrman next year. Oh, good Lord. Which is going to be a great measuring stick for both parties because Behrman, as well as Antonelli, also has a lot of potential. And I think both of them very much have Formula One in their that grasp. That could be a great title fight. Well, exactly. And I think it's a it's a massive feather in the cap of Antonelli if he can stick with Behrman in his first year versus, uh, versus Behrman in his second year. Um, but yeah, I... For Mercedes, you, you, you're just hoping that the timelines work out. You, you're just hoping that maybe two years in F2 for Antonelli, Williams for a year or two or something like that. And then by that point, Lewis Hamilton packs it in and he's ready. Yeah, like you, you just want that to line up and you're hoping that either Hamilton doesn't retire too early or they can't get Antonelli in a seat which is always possible with F1. You can never quite judge how it's going to go in terms of the market. It can often be one domino that sets off everything else. Yep. So um, I think that's what they'll be looking for. But yeah, overall, this guy, this guy got it. Oh, to have such talent at such a young age. Oh no. I, oh God, I'm not even going to get into any stats about his age and how old that would make us. Guy wasn't alive for Alonso's first championship. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, no. I was 11 when he was born. Oh. I'm still not 30. Don't know what you mean, mate. Thousand. <laughs> right. We're going to be depressed for a couple of minutes and we'll do higher or lower on the other side. I'm going to be depressed for a long time then. <laughs> Okay, here we go. F1, higher and lower. 
Wish me luck because I haven't got the notes to say which sound. I, this could, could be, be <laughs> any, any jingle. I'm an educated guess, but here we go. Overrate. Damn, no. that's the wrong one. Smash it. Whether it's. Nope. No. Oh, no. It's two for two. <laughs> Hang on, my, my cup on. Nope. 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 Please. Harry gave an educated guess for this and he's got it wrong <laughs> nine, nine times. <laughs> Where is it? Remember when? No, that was a different giggle oh, time. No, 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 no. Oh, this is this, this is, is disastrous. Friggin' nightmare. That's not that one. That's this is really disabled. funny. <laughs> Where is it? For once, it's not you being sent for Remember an absolute family meal. Please hold. Oh, this is awful. I'm enjoying this immensely. It's got to be one of them. Oh, where is it? <laughs> I think you've gone past it. No. No. This is... It's definitely there somewhere. Folks, someone clip this absolute meltdown that Harry's having. This, I'm actually going to cry. Nope. God. Nope. Remember when... No. Nope. Where, where is it? <laughs> That's not possible. <laughs> I don't understand. Go to the you've, first screen. Surely you've tried every button at this point. We might have to cut at this point. No. No. It's really funny though. Whether it's... This is quite literally what Ferrari's season looks like when they're trying to work out strategies. Oh, it, is. It, was, it was on the first freaking page. Good job. F1 higher is F1 lower is sad faster. Oh, God, it's the most anticipated game of F1 car and of all time. Can I just point out, it was, and my educated guess was one off because it was on page one, sound eight, and I went for page one, sound seven. Ah, well. The <laughs> and then we went through every I, other sound. Why didn't you just go <laughs> to the nearest that. buttons? The, the record books show that you mucked that up 4,000 times. <laughs> okay, well, here's the first ever game of F1, order please, late faking, back and forth, overrated, underrated. <laughs> order! Uh, higher or lower? So I've got six questions in front of me. Harry and Sam will take it in turns. There's a numeric answer um, to each question. If they get it spot on, they get two points. If they don't get it spot on, it goes to the other person to guess whether it was higher or lower than the original guess. If they get that right, they get a point. But if they get it wrong, the original guesser gets the point. Harry, what number would you like? I can educate guess, mate. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, can I go for six, please? Yes, you can. Uh, great news. How many races did David Coulthard do? Of course. <laughs> before he won his first Grand Prix? I thought you were going say title. Yeah. Still going. Asterix. Um, he did 12. He did not do 12. Higher or lower than that? Oh, I hate to say it, but I think it's higher. You might hate to say it, but you are right. It is higher than 12. 20. Really? I thought his first one was in 95, yeah? End of 95. End of 95, I think. Portugal. Just didn't do many races because he had 90... Well, I'm, I'm not denying. <laughs> Just that's interesting. Ah, I hope my counting was right last night. <laughs> oh, I was there. I, I don't. One point for Sam. <laughs> yes. Sam is one nil up, maybe. What number would you like? Uh, I'll have one. Number one. How many race starts has Nico Hulkenberg had? Oh, Nico Hulkenberg is a lot... Uh, be a couple of years out. So I'm going to go 198. 
No. Higher. Oh, it's not 199, is it? Maybe. Oh, <laughs> why do I keep doing this? It's his 200 free star this weekend. <laughs> oh my God. As 199. If. As if. Right. That's one all. Oh God. That's, that's happened two that's games a, in a that's row. That's a painful one, that. I did that with Bottas as well, didn't I? <laughs> yes. Uh, back to you, Harry. Four? How many podiums has Charles Leclerc had? Not enough. Many. Not as many as he had an hour <laughs> after Kota. Oh, no, he didn't get the podium anyway. Never yeah. mind. How many six places? Uh, he, um... He's had 43. He has not had 43. Lower. 27. Oh. Say, where are you going with that number? Baked him well up, man. Sorry, Charles. You were just playing the game in three years' time. Yeah. Yeah. I'll... Three years. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> Playing the game in a decade's time. <laughs> right, but uh, you, Sam, at 2-1. Uh, I'll have five, please, Ben. Number five. Number five. Oh, you're not going to like this one. Oh, sorry. It's a, it's a 50-50 chance. How many points has Verstappen had yes. this year yes. and last year combined? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> 894. It's not 894. Lower. It's not lower. Oh. It's more. Uh, it's a very good guess, actually. 920. Oh, I'm not far off there again. Blimey. Sorry. This season isn't over yet, and he has 920 <laughs> points across two Man seasons. Man could hit 1,000 points in two he seasons. could. That's stupid. It's horrible. That is stupid. That is stupid. I hate it. Is that 3-1? It's 3-1. Oh, oh, my. Good luck. Auto. I've won. Well, I've drawn, well, at least. Let's Yeah, let's see what happens. The last two. It's him. It's you, in it? Yeah. What number would you like? Um, what's left? <laughs> uh, number two. Or number three? Pick number three, my lord. Number half. Two, please. Just denied. Denied. <laughs> How many Mexican Grand Prix have there been? Uh, there have been... <laughs> 10. <laughs> there have not. Um, I'm going to go higher. It is higher. We, we raced here before we came yeah, back. Yeah, I know. Remember. I don't remember there In being the that many. 23. That's close to 10. Ah. Relatively, yeah. They're both two digits. <laughs> both numbers. <laughs> oh, no. Which just leaves... What, what's that phrase, man? Three. Oh, I love number three, my lord. Just a side note. You'd have already listened to it, but we did episode 333. I can't. And we, we didn't absolutely say it. missed it. It's the most late-breaking thing in the world. I'm just going to go back and delete one. <laughs> now we do 333. <laughs> for anyone looking for the US GP review from 2018, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> You're not missing much. I slipped. Um, right. Number three. The hottest Grand Prix of all time yeah. was the 2005 Bahrain Grand Prix. How hot was it? But we're in the USA. You can only give your answer in Fahrenheit. That doesn't exist. That's got a real thing. Okay, uh, in Fahrenheit. Okay, all right. I'm going to go 114 degrees Fahrenheit. No. Higher. No, it's lower than that. It's a good guess again. 108.5 degrees. That doesn't make any sense, does it? What <laughs> is, point five of a degree. What is that in normal? Uh, I think it was 42? 40, yeah, 41.5 or something like that. Um, what would you have done if I guess 108? Would you have given me the two points? 
I'd have given you, if you said 108 or 109, I'd have given him. All right. Um, I think I won that one. Yeah. I've been smashed up. Roasted. Like been, Bahrain. Been roasted. Been roasted. 5-1. 5-1. That's my biggest win of all time. That could well be. We just need to stay here so you keep winning. I am American now. <laughs> Would you mind getting us out of here then? Folks on that tremendous victory. I'm looking at the camera. It's got on. Hello. Um, you're not on. On that tremendous victory. Uh, thank you for listening. We will, of course, be back to our semi-normal routine now where we will give you a qualifying review on Saturday and you will get the race review on Sunday, straight after all the action. Join the Discord, links in the description. Follow us on social media, Late Breaking F1 everywhere. Or you can subscribe to see us in video format on the Yub Tubs. Uh, again, Late Breaking F1. Patreon is available. We'll be doing birthday shout-outs. Now. Oh. Have we got time, haven't we? Yeah, hang on a second. Do you know Do you know when we did the live show, we said we should make a note of that? And then, then we, we could do them on Sunday. We could do Sunday, actually. Well, they're here now. Oh, on right, it. let's do them now. Shout them out, mate. You do it. For October. We, oh my good Lord, there's loads of you. Um, Ali, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. For October 10th. Jamie, October 16th. Happy birthday. Oh, was that yesterday? We met you. Yeah, no. I was 50. Well, sorry, well, I'm a week out. No, oh. that was last week. Yes, good yeah. day. Sorry. Uh, Never mind. Still in England. Joshua Bingham, happy birthday. October 4th. Bingham close. John Brandt, October 5th, the day after. Oh. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And finally, Amara. Happy birthday for October 13th. I hope you have a lovely month. That. Uh, thank you for all the subscribers. It means a lot. Keeps us going. As we said, these trips become possible because a lot of you at Patreon keep it rolling in. And you get two <laughs> extra episodes every month. You get ad-free episodes every single time. You get merch discounts and you get gaming nights and beer with breaking. And then, of course, your birthday. Shout out. In the meantime, we've had a great time in America. I uh, don't want to go home, but I've been Samuel Sage. I've been Ben Hawking. And I've been fully mugged off by the soundboard. <laughs> And remember, keep breaking late. Oh, 11 degrees. No. No more rain. Oh, no. Sports Social Podcast Network.